I have a hard time letting go. I do. It's true. I have a hard time letting go. And especially right now, right now it feels like life is just moving way too quickly. And sometimes I feel like I'm just holding on for dear life. And this week has definitely been one of those weeks. As you can tell, I'm delivering this message from home because last week, sadly, my husband, myself, and my two kids, all of us tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. Now, we're doing okay. Thankfully, all of us have had uh, relatively minor symptoms and, and we're doing all right. But still, it's just one more thing that makes life feel just crazy out of control right now. Life has felt like a, like a roller coaster lately, and I don't like roller coasters. I really, I mean, I really don't like them. I do not like roller coasters. This picture was taken a couple years ago at the time we lived not very far from a gigantic theme park called Six Flags Great America. And when the kids were little, a day at the park meant, you know, junk food or getting to meet a, a cartoon character as they walked around the park or maybe, maybe a nice carousel ride. Just something just nice. <laughs> and sure, sometimes my kids would look up at the tall coasters and they would ask, you know, when can we go on that one? And those were the days because I had an ace in my pocket. The kids just weren't tall enough and I could pat their little heads and say, ooh, sorry, bud, maybe next year, you know, and then we could just go about our day, maybe head over to the bumper cars or the swings or something and just no need for any heart-stopping anxiety or crippling fear. We could keep our feet on the ground where I like them, firmly, firmly on the ground. Until, of course, one day the inevitable happened and my youngest, my daughter, seemingly overnight grew to be 54 inches tall. 54 inches tall means that she is now tall enough to ride every coaster in the park and true to form, she had her eyes set on the fastest, the tallest, the longest, the scariest coaster in the entire park, the Raging Bull. The Raging Bull. This is a ride that I had managed to successfully avoid my entire life since high school, but now, my 54-inch thrill-seeking daughter had her eyes set on this ride and my excuse of you're not tall, you're not tall enough just wasn't going to cut it. So, so what was I to do? I'll tell you what I did. I panicked. I full-on panicked because in my mind, and I know this is irrational and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this out loud, but in my mind, I thought there's no way that lap bar would come down far enough to properly secure her in place and that she would maybe, I don't know, slip out from under the bar and go flying through the air. This is what I saw in my mind. And so I panicked. If I couldn't tell her, sorry, you're not tall enough, what was I to do? I'll tell you. The only thing I could do, compelled to protect, I had to lay myself down. I was going to ride this thing with her, but give her the mom arm for the entire duration of that ride. You know the mom arm when your mom is driving somewhere and you're in the front seat and for whatever reason she has to put on the brakes really fast and simultaneously with no hesitation at all she throws her arm across the lap of whoever's sitting in the front seat like an additional seat belt or the the crossing arm of a school bus. That's the mom arm. That was my plan. I'm gonna sit next to Desi and keep 
her in her seat. I know this is irrational. G-force aside, all physics aside, nothing is stronger than a mother's love, and I was going to keep her safe. The problem was, when we got closer to the ride, somehow in the frenzy, things had shifted, and my daughter was no longer next to me in the seat. She was next to my husband, and he doesn't even have a mom arm. So I'm freaking out. I got on the ride and I'm, I'm begging my husband, please just keep your hand on her because she's so tiny and she might slip out from under then fly through the air. And as I'm just rambling, <laughs> as I'm rambling, the, the, the lap belt comes down. And it's only at that exact moment that I realize the terrible thing I have done. It's too late. And we started that terribly slow climb. This, my friends, this is the face of anguish, the face of terror. I, 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 I loathed everything about this ride. I could hardly open my eyes. And then just to make things worse, I see this flashbulb of this camera. And this terrifying moment is forever preserved for my family, for our amusement. And now for your amusement. If you look closely, my knuckles are actually white in this picture. I have a death grip on this lap bar as if my life depended on it. And for the life of me, I just couldn't let go. Now, something else strikes me about this picture. It's that everybody else in my family, from oldest to youngest, seems to have the face of pure elation, pure joy, except my husband who is mocking danger in the face. But they're all completely at ease, just enjoying the ride. And I asked myself, why were our experiences so different? And I think it's because we had watched hundreds of people through the years and even that day embark and disembark from that ride, no problem. My, my husband and my kids, thinking a little more rationally than I did, knew that they would be safe. But but for some reason, I couldn't trust that ride. I couldn't trust that I would be safe. I couldn't trust that my daughter would be safe. And I just couldn't let go. And as I sat there frozen, unable to let go, I missed the joy entirely. Life with all of its ups and downs and its unexpected turns and its pitfalls, its highs and its lows, Life can feel like a roller coaster sometimes. And all of us who have lived through this past year can say amen to that. It has been a wild ride, unpredictable at every turn. And it would seem to me like there are two ways to approach life. Two ways to approach this, this wild ride. We can do it with our fists clenched, white knuckling, tense, apprehensive and just kind of waiting for it to be over or we can let go and trust and bravely move forward with joy. So we've been studying the book of Philippians all month of January, doing it together as a church. And as we do, we're looking for what really matters for what really matters. So I hope that you have the Grace Church app or the Bible app or a Bible open in front of you so that you can read along. And we're going to start today in Philippians chapter 3. And Paul kicks us off right in verse 1 by saying, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. 
And we can stop right there because that alone is so powerful. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. This is an instruction. This is a a mandate or a command from Paul. And when we look at the letter of Philippians and we talk about what really matters, well, apparently this really, really mattered to Paul because he uses the words joy and rejoice 16 times in this tiny little four chapter letter. 16 times he tells us to rejoice or to have joy. He talks about joy. And when we see an an idea or a word or a concept repeated again and again, it should automatically make us take notice. It's like a, a flashing sign. This is important. It should immediately make us take notice. And we got to remember that scrolls were expensive and Paul was writing from prison. So you better believe he was going to make every single word count. And so he does. 16 times he tells us to rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, joy. He stresses these words. So then why the urgency, Paul? Why was this so important to him? Well, first, we can see that joy was central to Paul's own survival in prison. Joy was fundamental in these hard times. And this kind of joy was clearly not based on his circumstances because he's in prison. Things had taken a turn for the worse. He thinks at this point that he'll get out, but he can't be sure. He knows full well that he could be put to death and suffer martyrdom for the cause of Christ. And yet he tells us, A chapter earlier in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, he says, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. He says, even if I lose my life, I will rejoice. Paul was modeling for the Philippian church how to praise through any circumstance, no matter how dark, no matter how challenging. He is showing them that an attitude of joy comes by choice. This doesn't sound like a man who's white knuckling his way through life with his fists clenched, afraid to open his eyes because of what might come around the corner next. No, His circumstances had already taken a sharp turn for the worse, but by choosing to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what happens, he is able to maintain his focus. So important, so crucial in good times and in bad times, he's able to keep his eyes on Jesus. Read what he says in chapter 3, down in verse 12. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The trouble with always looking backwards is that it hinders momentum. It hinders momentum. It's certainly no way to run a race. 
constantly looking in the rearview mirror means you can't see very clearly what's right in front of you, and it makes it very, very hard to move forward. And that's right where I found myself um, June of last year, uh, early summer of 2020. I was sitting on my porch having an honest talk with God, and I was looking at this white rose bush that a dear friend of mine had given me uh, in honor of my recently departed mother. My mother had just lost her earthly battle with cancer about six months before this moment on the front porch. And I say that she lost her earthly battle because I know she won the race. I rejoice because I know my mom ran the race to the very end, and I, I know she's rejoicing. In fact, preparing for this message was fun because her favorite scripture came from this short letter. Her favorite scripture verse is Philippians 121. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Or the way my mom liked to say it most often, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. She loved this letter. So anyway, I was sitting on my front porch in June of last year, and I just was swimming, I guess in regret, if I were being honest. Um, I was confessing to the Lord that it had felt like for the last two years, since my mom's initial diagnosis of cancer, that I'd been living with one foot in the past, or, or, or trying to move forward while still looking in the rearview mirror. And, and I mean this, it was all the what ifs of life that would just plague me constantly. What if I'd never moved away from Chicago? What if I'd never moved away from my mom? What if in her last days I had been there to make her dinner every night, to do her laundry, to clean her house? What if I'd been there just to be near to her? Or what if my kids never changed schools and, and my mom was still in her final days able to come to all of their school performances like she loved to do so much? What if? What if I'd never left my job? Where would we be? Just what if I'd made different choices? What if I had done things differently? Plagued by the what ifs, they just kind of all came crashing down that day on the porch. And I realized in this moment that it was over. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. What happened, happened, and it was in the past. And I was being held captive by the weight of the what-ifs. And it was time for me to leave the past behind and to, to move ahead. I was looking at this beautiful white rose bush, a memorial to the life that was, the beautiful life that was my mother's life. And yet I knew it was time for me to lay all of that aside so that I could start again to live the life, the beautiful life that is mine. This was the day I chose to let go. And this was the day that I chose to press on. In these quiet moments on the front porch, it became so crystal clear to me that rejoicing in the Lord is a choice, that an attitude of joy comes by choice. It comes when we choose Him in these moments, when we choose to rejoice in Him, not in our circumstances. We don't rejoice in our circumstances. And we're certainly not just pretending everything is okay. I was grieving. I couldn't pretend that everything was okay. But when we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus, even in our grief, no matter what happens, He is there.
And what a sweet and powerful moment it is when we make a decision to let go and to trust him. When we choose to praise, no matter the circumstances. And for most of us, moments like these will happen again and again in our lives where we'll have to come back to this place of surrender and come back to this place of choosing to let go and choosing to trust. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Pay attention to that word, especially, because that word got me. Especially the sin. The sin is the part we go to first, right? Don't sin. Sin is bad. Let's strip off the sin that so easily trips us up. But it doesn't say that. It says especially the sin. But that implies that there are other weights too. Yes, it's true that sin drags us down and slows us down. But there are other weights too. For some of us, it's our pasts. It's what's behind us that still weighs us down. It still slows us down because living in the past, constantly looking in the rearview mirror means that you can't see very clearly what's right in front of you. And it makes it very hard to move forward. Hebrews 12, again, it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If life is a race, like this scripture suggests that it is, if life is a race, how can we run with endurance? Well, you can't run with endurance if you're weighed down. And you certainly can't run with endurance if you're constantly looking behind you and holding on to the past. Hebrews 12 says we run with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Paul said back in Philippians chapter 3 that he focuses on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The word he uses there for looking forward literally translates straining intensely towards. This is not passive. This isn't a, a lazy move. This, is, this takes every fiber of every muscle of our spiritual lives to strain intensely toward Jesus, the champion. We desire to grab hold of him, like Paul says, the way that Jesus first grabbed hold of us. How can we run with that kind of endurance? We have to train. We have to train. Endurance runners are some of the most disciplined folks on the planet. Their skills are backed up by all of the months and the weeks and the days that they spent training their bodies to be able to endure come race day. A friend and a pastor of mine um, back in Chicago said, we live our future one day at a time. And it's the culmination of the days that is our future. I love that. The culmination of the days. If you're an endurance runner, think about it. Every leg press, every lunge, every squat, 
every ounce of interval training, your diet, even your sleep habits. It's the culmination of the days that gets you ready to run with endurance when it matters the most. And if you're a Christian, it's the same idea. It's the culmination of the days. For the Christian, it's every praise, every prayer, every scripture, every act of self-giving love, every spiritual discipline, every moment of surrender. It's the culmination of our days. It's how we train that makes us able to run our race with endurance. Anne Voskamp in her book, 10,000 Gifts says, practice is the hardest part of learning and training is the essence of transformation. We have to train. This is why Paul so insists that we, the church, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. That word rejoice, it's the Greek word Cairo. It's an action word, and it, it connotes a commitment to a long-term way of doing something, like an ongoing training, right? A command to keep on doing an action as one's general habit or lifestyle. Paul is telling the church at Philippi that a lifestyle of choosing joy again and again, rejoicing in the Lord, this is how they will be able to endure no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, by choosing to rejoice. And this is how Paul himself is actively training, building his endurance while he's in prison because there were still darker days ahead for Paul. But we can see, as we read scripture, that he was able to endure faithfully, rejoicing to the very end because he had trained. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And he wants the Philippian church, he wants them to follow his example. Again, he says, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. Safeguard your faith by rejoicing in the Lord, whatever happens. And no, rejoicing doesn't mean that we pretend to be happy all the time. That's not what this means. Choosing to rejoice in the Lord is how we train our eyes to focus on Jesus, the champion. It's how we're able to let go of what is behind us and to run the race set before us with endurance. This is how we train. And this is something that we can practice right now to build our endurance, actively rejoicing, choosing to praise, no matter the circumstances. Choosing to praise is an exercise in letting go. It's how we move forward. And I'm going to make it easy for you. I wanted to start a list. I'm starting this list. It's not exhaustive. But 10 reasons why you and I right now have a reason to rejoice. No matter what's going on in the world. No matter what's going on internally. 10 reasons we all have right now to rejoice. And I didn't even want to make these up. These are straight from scripture. I believe with all of my heart that God's word will not return void. So there is power in speaking these truths over your life, over my life. This is a very practical way that we can practice letting go and trusting. So here we go. 
10 reasons we have to rejoice right now. God, I rejoice that your steadfast love never ceases and your mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. You don't give up on us. And I know right now, Lord, that you are working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases you. You don't just leave me out there alone to try to figure it out. You are actively alive and working in me. You are working. And I rejoice, Lord, because I know that I would have lost heart unless I would have believed that I would see your goodness, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see his goodness. I rejoice because I have a defender and a protector who does not slumber or sleep. God, I rejoice because you are actively and ever and always interceding for me right now. You are a refuge that I can run to. You are my strength. You're a strong tower. You remove my sin from me as far as the east is from the west, and you remember my sins no more. And God, I rejoice because you've given me an advocate, your Holy Spirit, who will lead me and guide me to your truth. And I know, Lord, that you will never leave me or forsake me. I know that you are with me. God, I know that you were with me on the front porch. I know that you grieve with me and that you collect all of my tears in a bottle. And I know that someday, Jesus, you will personally dry and wipe away every tear from my eyes. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, Lord, that it was you who began a good work in me, and it is you who will complete it on the day that Christ Jesus returns. I get emotional when I praise church. This is how I train. This is how we train for endurance. When we rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. My hope is that you'll go to the Grace BYOB Facebook page and that you will keep this list growing. Tell me the reasons that you have for rejoicing in the Lord right now. And in doing so, church, we will be practicing as a church body to fix our eyes on Jesus, to let go of what is behind and to reach intensely toward Jesus, the champion Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Choose to praise and in doing so, press forward. Build endurance and safeguard your faith. I'm going to pray for us. And as I do, I just have a couple questions to kind of guide us through this prayer. But would you close your eyes with me and can we pray together? What is threatening your focus right now? What is threatening your focus? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it busyness? Is it life just moving too quickly? What's detracting from your focusing on Jesus right now? Lord, in this moment, help us to fix our eyes on you, the champion. Help us, Lord. Train us to fix our eyes on you. What's weighing you down? What's slowing you down? What's threatening your endurance? Is it regret? Is it anger? Is it sorrow? Is it a sin habit? Lord, in this moment, we ask for your grace to lay these things aside, to lay them down, 
We give our burdens to you, Lord God, and you promise that you will trade us burdens. You'll take our heavy burden from us and you will give us your burden that is light. And so, Lord, we stand on your word right now as we lay these things before you. Give us grace to lay them down. What is threatening to steal your joy? And thereby steal your very strength. Scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So what is that thing that you are white-knuckling? What is the thing that you can't let go of? Lord, give us courage to choose you over all other things. As we reach for you, help us to let go of the things that are behind us. Help us to let go. As we lean intensely toward you, our joy, our refuge, our strength, help us to run this race with endurance and help us always to rejoice that we would choose to praise, Lord God, and as we let go and surrender to you, as we choose you, give us an attitude of joy, O author and finisher, of our faith. Amen.